we are back in the football shed, and Jeff got the intro right this time. First yeah, time. I've been practicing the old guitar. The guitar. My name's John Hewitt. Jeff King is here. G'day. And Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. Um, and we are the football shed. Um, I've forgotten what we do at the start. What do we do at the start? We say hello, don't we? It's been yeah. so long since the Premier League. That I've forgotten what we do. No, do you know what it is? Because you got the intro right, I was presuming it's going to go wrong. So you had more time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was just like, oh, what do we okay, do? Okay, go on, John. Spit it out. We are the football shed. <laughs> We meet every week in Jeff's Shed, hence the name. Um, you can find us on iTunes and Spotify if you enjoy it. Give us a review, tell your mates. If you want to get in contact, you can send us an email. People aren't sending emails at the moment. I think there's been a blackout on the email. Gmail's down. But email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. And every week we start with a question. And this week is about... The Nations League. The Nations League. I was waiting for that. <laughs> Is it how many people were there in the crowd to watch England play <laughs> Croatia? <laughs> it should have been. Um, it was about England. How many caps were there in the England starting eleven against Spain? So the eleven that played between them, how many caps did they have? Like, I literally didn't see any of them wear hats. <laughs> Less than Sergio Ramos. Uh, not no, not quite. Not quite. Fewer than Sergio Ramos. No, <laughs> God, who brought this guy? <laughs> um, well, the average age was twenty-four, correct? Yeah, twenty-five, I think. No, twenty-four. 24. The oldest player, the only player over twenty-five, was Kieran Trippier. Oh, wow, yeah. and he's basically twenty-five. Twenty, 20 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I would say eighty-six between all eleven players. Yes. No, I'm going to get oh, more because no, <laughs> Sterling's got 50-odd, yeah. so I, I'd say mm, 135. I'm going to say <laughs> 136. Uh, 222, oh, so you are yes. the closest. It's less than Sergio Ramos and uh, Sergio Busquets together. That's right. So That's more two. than I would have thought, actually. But... Yeah, I added, but 47 of them are Sterling, 36 of them are Kane, Um and Dyer's got about 35 as well. So the rest is like twos, fives. Yeah. I, one thing I really love is that Chalobah played. Yeah. Even though it was a bit of a cameo appearance. The fact that he's what, has he not played any football this season at all. Played three minutes of Premier League football. But I love the message that sends. So without getting too far into the England game, because I'm sure we'll discuss it. But I love the message that it sends that if you do well for the under-21s, you do well for the under-18s, you do well for the under-19s, and Southgate knows you and you're part of that setup. you play football the English way, yeah. then you get a chance in the senior team. That's progression. So whether we rely on you getting through the academy of a Premier League side or not, actually, if you're part of that setup and you're trained to do it, then you're ready. Um, Chalabar is one of my favourite players. He was my surprise player of the year last year and he started really well and then it went wrong and he got injured but oh, um, he was injured for most of the year yeah, yeah but I think he's going to be absolutely brilliant um, but do you also question number two know how many caps he's got for um, England at youth level so under 16s to under 21s 140 97 it's wow. ridiculous it's the most of anyone ever he's always got 100 caps that's pretty impressive level. Yeah, most of anyone ever yes at youth level for England or ever Ah. Uh, England definitely I think it's anyone ever because I, I guess because England at uh, every level but senior have been getting to finals for the last however many years yeah and obviously you get to a certain age you can't play anymore is he still mm-hmm. at he's at Watford Watford but he hasn't really been playing this year no he's been on the bench we can't get a game at the moment but um, I really rate him but yeah we should start with England I reckon well would you rather start with the nil-nil drudge fest that no one really saw or would you rather start with beating Spain 3-2 in a in a Blast of joy. 
<laughs> I reckon the second option, Jeff. The blast of joy. <laughs> what a game that was. It was amazing. Did you watch the whole thing? I did. I did. I woke up especially for it that yeah. day. Um, it's brilliant watching them like that. It's so good. I've never been more satisfied to get up really early to watch a game of football. Like the first, after the first goal Sterling scored, I stood up and fist pumped at six in the morning. I was just like, what did I just see? This isn't. This isn't England. That was amazing. It's a brilliant finish. It's so good. Brilliant finish. And I've got to say, Jordan Pickford. Oh. If we if we ignore the the you know the attempted Cruyff turn in his own box, I'm sure we'll get to that. <laughs> but his distribution is just outrageous. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. <coughs> the build up to that goal was so good. Every player touched it. It goes back to Pickford twice, and then just pings it straight up to Kane. And it's just one touch, bang bang, goal. The thing is, it's not a hoof. It's a mm. pass. Do you no, know what I mean? He's, ball. But you need to see everything that went before it as well, I think, like to see the whole move. Because if you just see it from Pickford, you're like, well, it could be four touches and, yeah. then, a, and then a goal. But like you said, it's like everything, it's drawing Spain onto. And we saw it at the World Cup, and we know that Spain employ a high press. And that was like almost the perfect way to beat a team that plays a high press because you draw them on, but you keep the ball. And then all of a sudden, when you do release it, you saw our front three had all that space, and then it was just clinical. It was, mm. yeah, I agree. It was, it was amazing to watch. Yeah, England team. And Harry Kane's assist was absolutely brilliant. His first assist. Yeah, he he was excellent without scoring. Like it was, Harry Kane's frustrated me recently that he drops deeper, um, and I think it's de- to the detriment of him scoring as many goals. But against Spain, he was brilliant. He also didn't get bullied by Sergio Ramos. He gave Sergio Ramos a really hard time. He pushed him, elbowed him, got stuck in and wouldn't allow him to boss him. Um, And then when he drops deep for that ball from Pickford and then just picks out Rashford on the wing straight away, it's brilliant to watch. Do you think that his performance vindicates the fact that um, he is being played a bit deeper? Um... To, yeah, to an extent, yes. I think it's fine as long as he's I still... I mean, it's a club level, we should say. Yeah. I mean, at international level, he's still largely been playing right up top. Yeah, but... I think he's obviously not as good as a Christian Eriksen at number 10 or whatever. Um, but he's got that ability. The thing that it really does, it works if you've got three up front um, because it drags the centre-backs into the midfield and then your two wide guys, Rashford and Sterling, can get in that space behind, which is exactly what happened for that first goal. So it works when it does that doesn't work if the other players are deeper than him because then suddenly the whole game has gone really far back into that. Which is kind of what's been happening at Spurs. I'd argue England have perhaps got better players to employ in that position than Spurs do. Yeah. But um, did you see all the newspaper stuff in Spain? No. So essentially after the game they've all just come out and it's all been about Harry Kane and just saying that you know essentially he he was brilliant and they maybe they misjudged him and that he was a bit of a one-trick pony and yeah. you know, he scores lots of goals but then they're all now saying after that game that he looks like he's the real deal he's a proper number nine but also at the same time he's just got a full game to him he can do everything a bit like when Drogba was amazing um, and he could kind of come a bit deeper and hold the ball up and muscle the big defenders off of him and hold, play people in Kane started doing that and it's I mean, he, he was like involved in all three goals massively, and yeah. all, but in different ways, slightly different ways in all three, and all were brilliant. Yeah. Like I was like, that is such good centre forward play, and you'd love to see him get a goal as well. But I, I thought that was he played that was better than he played at the World Cup. 
Yeah, it was. I, I think the whole England team played better than they played at the World Cup. Even though the World Cup was, uh, the, you know, the highlight of our modern life. I, I I'm not going to say this game surpasses it because it's not a World Cup, but. That third goal, Ross Barkley's ball. Yeah, that was I mean, such, such a good pass. I've got to say, yeah. I, I, it pains me to admit yeah. it, but that was brilliant. So and good. did you see that it was directed by Harry Kane? So yeah. in the in the build before yeah. he released the ball, he looked up and he saw Kane's run, and Kane's arm was like higher than yeah. any other thing on that pitch, just going, "I've got space here, I've got space." And the dropped, chipped ball yeah. that just created an angle. The meant all you had to do was put it right back in the middle. And Sterling does that for breakfast. I was going to say, that was the perfect Sterling finish for Man City. Like, tap-ins two yards out, tap-ins two yards out. Yeah, but be you're right, Barkley's pass makes it. Like, he could not have hit that pass any better. It just dropped. Like, all the pace dro- was off it by the time it dropped. But right in the exact spot where Harry Kane didn't even have to think. It was like run and the flight of the ball met perfectly yeah. with that and that's so hard to do when you're you've only got you know 15 yards or so to play the pass like, and, and really Spain difficult. had four defenders in there so it's not like they were they were exposed or, or, or England yeah. had opportunity there through space it just had to be the perfect ball and you've got to say Ross Barkley he can do things like that he's always been able to do things like that but in this game he looked a bit more mature he looked a bit more like he was willing to take the simple pass and wasn't just going to headless chicken it until there was a point in the second half where he nicked the ball off, uh, I can't remember which Spanish midfielder it was, but nicked the ball and did headless chicken it. He yeah. just, just ran for 60 yards, looked up, realised he had no fucking idea what to do <laughs> next. <laughs> and then he's just trying to hit it into the defender in front of him. The only reason why it didn't look quite as bad is because it ricocheted off the defender to an England player. But he, he just ran a lot and panicked. I'm like, well, that's the Ross Barkley I remember. You said that it was better than any of the games we played in the World Cup. And out of the World Cup team that started all the big games, like not the um, two Belgium games, which were big games, but not detrimental games, um, there was no Stones, no Henderson, no Deli Alley, no Lingard, no Ashley Young. So that's half your team is completely different. And to completely half change your half your team only three months after getting to a World Cup semi-final and then beat one of the best teams in the world, you suddenly go, there's squad depth, there's actually an idea here. Change formation. We change formation in the game. We change from four three three, and we're comfortable playing three five two now. So um, Carl Walker came on for Ross Barkley, and we went three at the back and changed mid game. I have never ever seen an England team change right. formation halfway through, and to like, have not one of those formations be four four two. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, and not people panic. It wasn't like oh someone's come on and we're, oh we don't know oh where do we go and then fall over each other. They just went no, we'll just do this and we can adjust. It was excellent. So best team in the world. Not quite. <laughs> um, that, I mean, that's continuity, I think, and that helps with Southgate having been involved with some of the players mm. at, at youth levels. But it's, some of the stuff has annoyed me in the press because there's, you know, there's some people who have gone absolutely bananas about the game, and then there's other people who have said we can't get carried away. It's one game, and you know, remember when we did that with the five-one in Germany and da da da. Yeah. But I'm like, w- before the World Cup, we sat here and we talked about England, and we said that essentially the result wasn't important because we didn't think we were going to win it apart from Jeff I'm going to leave leave you out when me me and John talked about it it was more important to see England playing well and trying to you know play with some freedom that we haven't seen and progressing and and progressing and and we saw that and I mean I think that getting to the semi-finals was a bonus but to me this game against Spain wasn't a one-off this is actually a culmination of progression 
since Southgate took over the team in terms of the way that the players are able to play and yeah. maybe it's you know a system and that the individuals don't matter as much yeah. uh, and that maybe some of them are better than they think they are or that maybe some, there's English players that are better than, than we, than think, we think they yeah. are. You know? and and I, I think one of those players that I think is better than he gets credit for is Eric Dyer. Eric Dyer is never going to be a great pass for the ball. He's never going to be beautiful to watch. But his tackle on Sergio Ramos in the first five minutes was brilliant. Which he got a yellow card for. Which he got a yellow card for. It sets the tone though, doesn't yeah. it? it well, the there were two because there was he, it was Ramos and there was... Um, it's after a really early, like in yeah, the first minute. Yeah, someone else went, um, went through. Yeah. Him. But what Dyer did, which I really liked, played 4-3-3. And he's obviously the deepest of that midfield three. So he's the defender. But he was also the one that led the charge. So he would run past Barkley and who else played Winks, who I thought was very good, run past them and put pressure on Busquets and Sergio Ramos. And that kind of set the tone. It was like, okay, if Eric Dyer's going, then we follow too. If he's sitting, we're sitting. And he kind of was that leader of charging it. And it put such pressure on their defence that they just panicked. And I loved it. I thought he was excellent. I mean, going on to... um the fact that this was an exciting game of football. Mm. If this was a friendly, this would not have been an exciting game of football. True. On 60 minutes, there would have been 10 substitutions on both sides and it would have petered out and there's absolutely no way I would have been edge yeah. of my seat stuff, which I really was. To, you know, seven, oh, seven minutes, minutes yeah. stoppage time were pretty incredible. I was so late to work. <laughs> and, to, and to think that the game before, yes, I, yeah, I took the piss, it was nil-nil. Yeah. But it was nil-nil away to a team that was in the World Cup final. And we should have won. And we should have won. They definitely had the better mm. chances. Um Maybe the Nations League has got something to it. I'm on board. We talked about it last time. Like you see, I watched a bit of the Wales and Ireland, and I mean it's a home Nations game. Obviously, so there's a bit of passion. Mm. But you watch when Wales um, score the goal, and the, he runs over to the crowd. Like it is a competitive game. It means something, and you mm. can see. And I think we've seen that in all the Nations League games so far. People are so much more invested, and I'm. Um, like yeah, I don't feel so angry when it comes around every few weeks. No, it's, yeah. it's actually there's something to play for. And yeah. now that there's like relegation and promotion and stuff, you're suddenly thinking, oh, if England lose, we might get relegated, which so is crap. Let me stuff. just get this right: England are in the top. Yeah, so top they're group. in Group A, and in Group A, there's four mini groups: there's like A1, A2, A3, A4. Okay, so winning Group A does what? Gets you into the UEFA Nations League finals. Where there's a semi-final, two semi-finals, so the four teams that win it yeah. go into the semi-finals, final, and third fourth place playoff. And then that does what? If you win that, you become the inaugural UEFA Nations League winner and get a place in the, in the Euros. Euros but if you come second in your little group, nothing happens. No. And then it just goes back to a normal qualifying campaign. Yes, yeah. but if you everyone goes into the normal qualifying campaign anyway. So England will go into a normal qualifying campaign as normal, and that starts in February. If they win the Nations League and qualify through their group, the qualifying for the na- the Euros from the Nations League comes to whoever comes second. If they've already qualified, it comes to whoever came third. If they were and so on. Well, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's great. I'm enjoy- I'm enjoying it. Does that make sense? I'm really happy with the Nations League. I, but- I just think it's made it a lot more competitive and a lot more fun to watch. My only concern is that it's a lot of football. For yeah, people to play like we look at Harry. Well, Kane. But is there any more though? Like when you factor in friendlies, it's it, not any more actual more football, yeah. but it's high intensity football. True. Like that game on Monday morning was ninety. They played seven minutes of added on time, so they basically played a hundred minutes 
and it was full on and intense and basically till the last kick the highest standard you can play on the planet really and it's not playing Lithuania away and winning one. Yeah, but but John, these players aren't playing in the Premier League. <laughs> like yeah. these players are on the bench for their sides. Yeah, they true. can do with the minutes. <laughs> Marcus Rashford's gagging for a game. Yeah. Ross Barkley's all these go back in the team. Like these players, yeah. apart from say Jordan Pickford, yes, <laughs> the, Harry Kane. These players are gagging for a game of football, a competitive game of football. This can only be good for the Premier League in the current state of English caps with the Premier League side maybe that means England are going to dominate world football for the next 10 years because none of our players play <laughs> they get rested yeah. <laughs> they get rested through the whole season it's all a cunning plan yeah and then they just play in the England team um, perfect while we're on England and being positive one other thing I just wanted to touch on because he is a bit of a whipping boy probably even on the pod but he's Sterling mm. um, obviously he hadn't I'd get on his back as much as anyone about it he hadn't scored for a long time uh, two and a bit years yeah uh, and he got two goals against Spain, and you know his first finish was was oh, like he it was like he does it every week. It was like an arrow in the yeah. top corner, absolutely brilliant. But <clears throat> in all the criticism of him, we forget he's twenty three years old. It's crazy. Like that is so young. And you know at this point, yes, he's only scored what now four, four goals, goals in fifty games yeah. or something. But he's played fifty but, games. But he's but he's twenty three. You know, like Gary Lineker hadn't even got his first cap yeah. for England yet at 23. You know, and 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 Shearer and these guys. So I, I think, you know, that he is so young that yes, he's played 50 games, but there is potential now that if it clicks, yeah. he could score a shitload of goals for him. He's still got his best years in front of him. Sterling right? gets a bad rap, and uh, there's lots of theories of why he gets bad rap in the red top press in the UK, and whether it's racist or whatever it is. People don't like him, and I hate that. I think we don't understand how good a player we've got playing for us. Pep Guardiola understands and starts him every, every week. Every week, yeah. And doesn't even blink an eye of going, first name on this, Raheem Sterling. Um, he scores a lot of goals for Man City. This is the first time, we talked about it during the World Cup, that we've been playing 3-5-2 and Sterling played up front with Kane. And we talked about whether he's not scoring because he's actually not play, coming on to play. Yeah. Whereas in this game, play 4-3-3 and you get the best out of Sterling. And he's running onto the play. And Rashford. And Rashford as well. Yeah. And it, added a whole other dimension to the way we played. And that's where he plays for Man City. And I he's good enough to go, we should play in a formation that makes the most of Raheem Sterling. I, I fear for him that he's the next Michael Owen. He's going to get injured. Like, if he's 23 years old, you say, he's played 50 games for England. He When he played for Liverpool, he played every week. Yeah, He's been playing every week, as you said, for Man City. And that includes Champions League football. Cup games to the end of cup competitions, and he plays every time England play. I worry that he's going to get to 26 27 and he's just going to lose his pace. Well, there is only I, a finite amount of football in you. Owens, well, I don't think, was necessarily playing too many games, it was a bad injury, and Owens' only weapon was pace. I think Sterling has a little bit more than that. I mean, pace is definitely his main one, but he's got a bit more guile. Like, Owen could yeah. basically run and that was it. I just like, think sometimes, and I don't want to sound metaphysical here, everybody, <laughs> but I, I think sometimes we need to appreciate what we've got when we've got it. Yeah. And Sterling right now is brilliant. Yeah. Last season, he was brilliant. Watching him play for England, that brilliant. Uh, and I just think we need to enjoy it. Yeah. Because, you know, I've read a lot of you know and he's going to get better and imagine what he's going to be a world beater I think let's just enjoy him playing football because in two years time he might be completely kaput and I think also there was um, the Spanish guy who talks on BBC whose name I can't remember was talking about how Balaguer yeah he um, in Spain they all love him 
But also there's a lot of talk about the fact that he could have one of those breakout seasons where he suddenly scores 40 goals in a season. Because if he suddenly scores every chance he gets and has a Mo Salah year, he could get 40, 50 goals in a year without blinking. Yeah. And dangerous. But the rash too. The rash, so he's got five England goals now at age 20 which is the best since Rooney, who had 11 goals age 20. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, Partly because he had that such good Euros. But no, I just think it's like I watched his Sterling's first goal. It's one of his goals you watch over and over. Like everything about it's brilliant. And um, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. The, um, on the Spanish front, it's funny as well. The thing that made me so happy about the England game was I was going to originally come to this yeah, you, pod. You said, talk what's about, that going? I'm going to talk about talk Spain. Talk about Spain. Being, yeah. but, you know, the, they were a bit of a... Well, not a basket case at the World Cup, but there was obviously, you know, they lost their coach on the eve of the World Cup. He was going to Madrid. That was a bit of a disaster. Um, But uh, Luis Enrique's come in and, you know, they beat Croatia, put six past Croatia. They've looked absolutely brilliant. And I was going to talk about, well, here we go again with Spain. You know, haven't lost at home in 15 years, 28 games unbeaten. We forget they didn't actually lose at the World Cup, even though they went out. Uh, And... And we go and beat them. They've like, never conceded three goals at home in an international ever. Do you know, I'm going to have to move this on because anyone who doesn't care about England is really just like... No, no, this is no. our moment to shine. I'm asking no, us to stop jizzing all over this team. We don't have to move on because it's, how often does this happen? Okay, so random, <laughs> Here we go. random facts. Spain. <laughs> Paco Alcazar came on yeah. for Spain. Uh, he's currently the top scorer in German football. He's at Dortmund. He hasn't started a game yet for Dortmund this year. He's averaging a goal this season once every 28 minutes. He scored a hat-trick off he's, the bench, he's, he? he's scored his, ten, his last 10 shots on target, 10 goals. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> that's he's incredible, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, the person that's been assisted him the most is Jaden Sancho. Wow. And what nationality is he, John? English. Yeah. So, okay, Jeff, we can move on from England. How... Um, but we're going to stick on the Nations League. The Nations League. Uh, Germany lost 3-0 to Holland and 2-1 to France. This is like my dream scenario. Like, okay. <laughs> we, we, can, we can go England being world beaters and sticking the boot into Germany. Uh, I've got nothing else to say on those games. Uh, I've got uh, one thing on Germany. <laughs> is it all going wrong because Serge Nabi is playing for them? Oh, the ex-Arsenal guy. Ex-Arsenal. I'm like, well, he he was at Arsenal when things went a bit bad. Now he's at Bayern Munich and things are going a bit bad. And he's playing for Germany. And Germany have lost, what, five of their last eight games? Yeah, it's a record, yeah. That's awful. But what's happened to... Do you you think that... We won't dwell on it, but they made a big call... uh, Keeping on scratch and sniff yeah. after the <laughs> after the World Cup. Because if anyone doesn't know what that means, just Google Yogi Low and the German coach and scratch and sniff. I, I saw a really funny thing. It was just like a um, it's like a, like a comic strip. So it's like a bunch of different pictures in a row, yeah. and it starts with Yogi Low scratching his bollocks, yeah. and then it shows him having a, like a handshake with Ronald Koeman, <laughs> and then Ronald Koeman having a hug with someone else. It's like twelve pictures and ends with the Queen. <laughs> but I, I mean that so they made a really big call you know going out of the world cup early we all expect like, i think we all had germany in the final um they well they apart from me and they you know they, they're a perennial you know yeah. um overachievers or <laughs> uh, oh, they're really good oh they're really good but they you know they they made the decision to keep them in the job now i am all for 
keeping managers on and not you know having knee-jerk yeah. reactions and getting rid of managers but I wonder whether at that point do you need to freshen He's things been there up like 12 and years do you it's need to stale, hasn't it? I, I, I think you need to look at bringing someone in <laughs> sorry you said snail stale and I just thought of him scratching his balls <laughs> yes, I said, I said it. he does love scratching his balls it wasn't just a yeah. single event oh, no, he he's just got time like, and he digs right in there yeah that poor queen <laughs> poor queenie sniffs, um, sniffs sniffs before we move on to the Premier League is there any other international games anyone wants to mention Gibraltar yeah I was yeah. going to say shout out to Gibraltar yeah. Go on. What did Gibraltar do? They won twice yeah. for the first time ever in their history, and they came back from a goal down this morning. So they were goal down with about an hour, um, half hour left, and one two one. It's amazing what confidence will do. That first yes. win, and then they get two. Yeah, but again, that's yeah, part of me. That's the joy of the Nations League, isn't it? Because yeah. they're playing a team. They're playing teams that are the caliber. That means that they actually have a bit of hope. They're yeah. not playing Brazil. Yep. And because of that, they can get momentum. Imagine that, Gibraltar winning the World Cup. And well, as far as I, because I've put Luxembourg down here as well, because as far as I understand it, everyone in Group D has a similar thing. If they win their group, they go into playoffs um, to get into the Euros. Euros. So there's a spot. So Luxembourg are the form team in Group D. Luxembourg are awful, but they've like played three, won three, conceded none, scored ten. Like they're on fire. Imagine Luxembourg gets to the Euros. I just love that scenario. Didn't they lose to Gibraltar this morning? No, that was um, someone else. I can't remember who did. You see the Socceroos got a 4-0 resounding victory in Q8, yes. the footballing powerhouse of the Middle East. So that was <laughs> Graham Arnold's first game. First game. Yeah. Did you see Thomas Deng and Awa Mabil played? Yeah. Did you hear this story? They're no. both Sudanese um, immigrants and they moved here they knew each other back in Sudan they were mates they went to school together back in Sudan and then had to come here as refugees and grew up here learned to play football played for, for Australia played in their first game together for Australia and they were just so excited and happy to be part of it and it's awesome like, I absolutely really, love that I think yeah. that's there's such a um, such a horrible uh, rhetoric around the Australian immigration yeah. uh crises and problems and 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 legislation and and without getting too political it's just so nice to see a good news story and one that you can't fight there's no you can't put a political twist on on two kids who know each other standing up for the Socceroos winning 4-0 away from home that is the beauty of the sport and seeing how much it meant to them Adam Peacock you know the guy off uh Fox Sports yeah put something on Instagram and um he doesn't always say the smartest things in the world but I thought this was really good um it's a bit long so bear with me um, as kids they got out of Africa, made refugees by war, they found a new home in Adelaide, became Mets, found football, and a few years down the track, Awamabil and Tommy Deng made their debut together for the Socceroos. Both thanked their mums for raising them as single mums, which is a little indication of what great young men they are. Beyond that, instead of listening to some of the horseshit paintings, certain people from certain places were all with the same brush. These guys represent their community so well. They represent us so well on the world stage, rather than those who can't help but talk horseshit. Look forward to plenty more moments like this. That's brilliant. It's yeah. so true. I love it. I think it's an inspiration and I hope it's taken that way. Good one. Shall we move from the Nations League to the Premier... We don't have a thing for the, the Premier League. <laughs> the, oh, the Premier League. <laughs> 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 oh, I wrong. doesn't sound quite thun as Thunderbirds. You could go old school like the early 90s and call it the Premiership. Welcome to the Premiership. The Barclays Premiership. Um, the Barclays Premier League is back this week. Um, what games are we looking forward to? Well, you know that... Top, top of the list. I love 
that Cardiff's nickname or the shortened version of Cardiff's nickname is Car. <laughs> you know, when you top left corner of your screen, it says yeah, car. I yeah, love that. Yeah. So every week, there's a new opportunity to make a word or a sentence out of Cardiff playing football. And this week, it's car full. <laughs> well, how good is that? Your brain works in funny ways. So I, I'm, that's the game I'm looking have, forward to most. Have Cardiff played Newcastle away yet? No, I can't wait. <laughs> so you get a new car. Wait. <laughs> Highlight. Cardiff have. Um, I've noticed last few weeks. Whilst they still haven't got any points or won, they've been actually been playing a little bit better. Yeah. So they maybe they're due a result. I think this is, this is a big game. Yeah, I think this is a huge game. They haven't got a win on the board yet, and they must be looking at it going. Fulham can't defend. Um, if you're going to get a win, this is a perfect time to start. So well, and they go level with Fulham. Whereas if Fulham win, all of a sudden, you know, that's a they're six points from safety effectively already. Yeah, there's a few games that don't instantly grab the headlines. However, I do think are uh, because we're getting to a stage in the season where teams actually have form. It's not just scattergun. You know, first four or five games, it's a bit settling in, seeing what new players are like, finding formations. Now you you, you get steady into the, the I was going to say monotony of it all, but that doesn't that doesn't sound very exciting. The rhythm of it yes. all. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm really interested to see what happens in the Bournemouth Southampton game because I think Southampton have played okay. But obviously not picked up much. And I don't think if you shut your eyes right now... Let's try it. Shut your eyes. Think of Southampton playing football this year. No. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem. Like it, just, it, it just hasn't resonated. They've not done anything. Holberg scored a good goal. That's all I can think of. I, um, I put this on the running order as John's hate derby. <laughs> <laughs> because I hate Eddie Howe and I hate Mark Hughes as a manager. Like... They're both twats. Well, I think this is a telling sign of whether Bournemouth's rhythm will stand up to teams that uh, haven't achieved... Like, mm. If Bournemouth are going to keep doing anything this season, it's not just about the results against the teams that are considered better than whatever. It's about the results against the nothings. I don't mean that, I don't mean that to be offensive. I mean the teams that you can shut your eyes and not visualise them playing football this season. They've not even resonated to the point where they're bad. Yeah, They've just not resonated. I think this is a Bournemouth win. Like, I... I um... You know how I backed Burnley in, in the Jeff and Rog derby yeah. because I knew that Burnley would set up in a way to beat Bournemouth and Eddie Howe would only play the same way. Yeah. Mark Hughes won't do that. He's not clever enough. No, he's really and not. Southampton will try and play, but they won't be very good at it and Bournemouth will just be better than them and win. Like yeah. I, I see this as a, as a Bournemouth. I think Southampton are in a bit of a mess. Yeah, I agree. Um, the big game at the start of the weekend is Chelsea Man United. And now I'm away for the next two weeks because I land in the UK 30 minutes before kickoff. That's pretty so exciting. So that's pretty good. So I'll be on the wireless. On the wireless. Yeah. Our man on the inside. Our man on the ground. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll do live reports. Standing with your brolly outside yeah. the stadium. Yes. Um, I'm actually going to Chelsea to watch Chelsea Crystal Palace a couple of weeks after that as well, which will be good. So the Chelsea United game. So what do you think? Um, I There's part of me that thinks Mourinho... Because it's Chelsea, will want to prove that he can play, beat Sari. With Sari playing beautiful football, he can turn up and go, no, I'm going to be pragmatic and I'm just going to show you how to win games of football. And I can see Man United winning 1-0 and it being dire to watch. Yeah, that's can, what I think. Can, I, but can, can Man United keep Hazard quiet for 90 minutes at the moment? Oh, with flaming band marks him, yes. 
That's and true. that's kind of what I, I just think he'll play Fellaini, Pogba, Kicking. Matic in the middle of and the park. Fellaini was rested for Belgium. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I can't see. It's going to be low scoring, I think, and it's going to be a draw or a main night win. It's funny, um, I've actually kind of enjoyed, like, I've not enjoyed the Premier League being missing for a mm. week, but I've enjoyed the fact that I haven't. You know, read the news, the sports news every day, and see Mourinho's been so face everywhere about non-football related matters. Yeah. Just yeah. shit. It's actually been nice, and I'm kind of like, I'm just so fed up of that. I'd like, I'm happy to, to read about Man United playing football, but I'd, yeah. I'm just t- tired of all the shit. As soon as you said it. his name there, John, I've got a bit of a judder. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to yeah, we're yeah. Gonna listen yeah. to him whinging again. Yeah, like, like yeah. and like I. I'm not excited about watching my team play against Chelsea that should be a battle for the top four and it should be about an exciting thing and it should be something that I'm looking forward to. You say close your eyes and think about how Southampton play. Tell me how Man United play. Well, I mean, I've got a lot of It changes adjectives. a lot the moment. <laughs> yeah, but it's just, it's kind of ugly and there's not a real style to it. Chelsea, you can say, oh, they pass the ball a lot and it's attacking. And yeah, it's yeah, yeah. He's gone, to be- I think it's, he is Mourinho has lost some of his confidence to the point where, or he's gone so far to the way that he stops the other team from playing that his team has lost any identity of their own. He's always gone that way first, yeah. but his good teams also had a clear way of playing themselves. Yes, their first his first instinct is to go to the opposition, be pragmatic, and go, "How do we stop them?" Yeah, but now at United, that's all he's got, and he's to the point where his team doesn't function when they when they've got the ball and it just I just um you lose this game you know you Chelsea are unbeaten you, you're this year. you're potentially close to 10 points off the top 4 already yeah. I I flip-flop on this game mm. um I part of me thinks that Chelsea will retain possession and try and find the little corridor which that which they've often done this season yeah. and United will defend with pretty much five at the back and two defensive midfielders and Chelsea won't find a corridor and that's it it'll be a stalemate but then the other part of me looks at the the table and realises this is the first game of the weekend if Chelsea win this game they're three points clear of the Premier League and that adds pressure on the rest no matter matter who it is the fact that you're you know Liverpool are suddenly three points behind Man City are suddenly three points behind that adds something so I think there are players in that Chelsea team that no matter how Sarri wants you to set up, there are players like Hazard who might just want to make a difference. And just go. And just go for it. And I think they've got the ability to do so. I don't see a United win in this whatsoever. And I'm probably going to have egg on my face. I'm really yeah. bad at predicting anything. <laughs> Is this the SBS game? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's on at 10.30. What time will our game finish that we're going to see? Oh, it's perfect. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Good private chat on the pod there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, I, I basically I would like to see a really good game of football, and I'm just scared that I'm not, and that's what annoys me. It's it's a little bit hard to call as well because we have had a bit of a break, so it's kind of like I think when you get these international mm. breaks, the managers do sometimes look to reset a bit, and you, you know you've, there was a lot of noise around United before the international break, mm. and that's gone away a bit, and you hope that what Mourinho's done is he sat down with the players and gone right, you know, let's take stock, yeah. and you know if. If things are working right, Man United will come out and get a result in this game. And but I think it's also a big, like you're saying that on the international break for teams that are lower down the league, like Cardiff we mentioned. And I've also put that Newcastle have a winnable game against Brighton. 
Um, the Cardiff and Newcastle teams don't have a huge amount of international players. So they can sit on the training field for two weeks and go, okay, we need to work on this, this and this and get it better. Man United teams all go away. So it's just Scott McTominay sat there with Jose Mourinho going, well, this is shit. <laughs> how, about, how about a player at centre-back again this week? Scott, what do you reckon? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and you often find that teams use this break to really galvanise mm. what they're trying to do. Um, I know that... Uh, Obviously, I do a lot of research into Everton during these times because we don't have a lot of players who go out and play international duty at the moment. And supposedly this this week, Mario Gomez, Yari Mina, James McCarthy, they've all been playing a, a behind closed doors friendly and playing the full 90 minutes. Yeah. So there's there are teams like that who haven't been disrupted Palace like played a friendly this week. They played against a conference side or one below conference. Like just So it's a competitive game to a extent, but you're playing against the proper team. But there's no risk. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah interesting. I think um, a couple of other things to highlight. The London derby, West Ham, Tottenham. Um, That's a big game. That's a huge game, I think. I agree, yeah. And it's at the London Stadium. Um, but I don't know why I put a voice on there. No, a bit of a danger game for Spurs, I reckon, that one. I think Spurs are one of those teams that have a huge amount of international players. Like their whole, they don't have a massive squad, and their first fifteen players all play for good international teams and go away and play ninety minutes for those teams in both games. And so they're going to actually struggle a little bit. Um, I think just for legs. Whereas West Ham, I think, might have a little bit more. But Mark Noble doesn't get picked for England, so he'll be fine and fresh. Yeah, <laughs> Not exactly at, at least for the first fifteen minutes. Anyway, until <laughs> he gets tired. And before we move too far past the Premier League, Arsenal Leicester. I'm looking forward to that game too. Actually, you know those weeks where you look at this fixture list and we go, "Oh, there's a bunch of dirge in that," and I'm not looking forward to much. Yeah. There's not much narrative. Yeah. I actually think that there is. There are quite a few evenly matched sides in this that make it. Really interesting. I think Arsenal Leicester. You're looking at a, a possession counter. Like Arsenal almost play. Forgive me if this sounds weird, but they almost play a possession counter attacking football. Yeah, so they, they play a, a kind of quick transition. Yeah, uh, it's more Italian, really. Mm. Um, but Leicester don't. Leicester actively avoid that. Yeah. They just play the counter attacking side. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how Arsenal develop their play through that game but then Leicester try and find the space at the back. I'm going to enjoy that, I think. I think Arsenal is also one of those games where these games last year, they lose or draw. Like against Leicester, they go, oh, they're quite hard, oh, it's quite difficult, and they've got a couple of big blokes at the back, don't like it, and then they don't get a result. Morgan's suspended, isn't he? Yes, so Johnny Evans will come in. That's good good news for Leicester. It is good news for Leicester. Have you heard the um, Arsenal fans chant about Lucas Torria, the Uruguayan guy? No. Um... Uh, Lucas Torrier uh, he's only five foot high he comes from Uruguay Lucas Torrier (laughs) (laughs) he's really short Uh, but yeah I I agree Jeff I think that could be quite an exciting one Uh, the Man City Burnley the robots um, versus the machines yeah now I'm, my mem- my memory may be deserting me here, but did we watch Man City Burnley in the bunker in Adelaide? Oh, Adelaide. So anyone who's listening from Adelaide who's been to the bunker, we watched uh, yeah, Man City versus Burnley yeah. in that wonderful we establishment. We were there for the cricket, yeah. And some Man City players got in a, a, fans fans, got in a fight. Yeah, yeah, at someone's wedding. Yeah. 
Oh, they were horrible people. <laughs> if anyone's been to the bunker, please let us know your experiences. Yeah, <laughs> please let us yeah, send in what you how, you, how it was. And if you know anywhere better in Adelaide to watch football, because <laughs> we're going again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, should we move on from the Premier League to the A-League, which kicks off this week? Well, I think this week was all about Mr. Bolt. Oh, yes. Has he gone? It's not official yet. He's still floating around. I don't know where oh, he is. He could be in Malta, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, so the Maltese champions <laughs> um, of the Maltese League, um, they're in Group D of the Nations League, Malta, um, have offered him a contract. They just said, two years, yeah, we'll give you a contract. Don't care if you're any good or not. That team in Malta have been bought out by Middle Eastern money. Uh, okay. And he is a one big, fat, massive publicity stunt. And they say they want Champions League football. Like, it's that kind of... <laughs> but that, but that, I mean, that's like what he's Blackburn. been doing in the A-League. Like, I, I really hope he goes. Because, to be honest, this I got quite irate reading about Bolt the other night. Like, they, you know, you, just on the SBS app on the phone. And it's not about the game or anything. It's just about Bolt. Yeah. It's, the like, thing is- it's Bolt watch. And, they, you know, his first goal... Was watched over six million times. It's like when you, but when, when you watch his highlights, the man cannot play football. <laughs> no, you know when you like watch non-league football or you go to a game yeah. and you, there's a guy who's quick, yeah. but his touch is awful and he just ca- can't really play yeah. football. Bolt is that man, and he to the point where he doesn't even look quick. No, no, he's he's crap. He is actually. Crap I think he's crap. But yeah. why would we have expected anything else? It's not like he's secretly been training to be a footballer his whole life. He yeah. hasn't. He's been a runner or a sprinter, whatever you call them. Runners. He's a runner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, runs quick, but who plays five aside? Like that's it. Like he's not a footballer. He's just that kind of persona that thinks, oh, if I put my mind to this, I'm going to try this. There is no reason to expect him to be any good. He is. No way near the quality needed to play first-team football for anyone competitively. The game that he played and he scored two goals was against a non-professional side from Cobbled Sydney. together. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, essentially, the only reason it was even televised is because Usain Bolt was playing. Six million views because the whole world wants to see it. Fair enough. But I actually think that, you know, I've been, I've been banging on that this is good for publicity. It's good for the Central Coast because... It's bad. I think it's bad for it for the A League. It's bad for Central Coast. It's bad for everything because it becomes a laughing stock. Because the man cannot play football. Absolutely right. And if the A League is held up to the standard of this bloke's won himself a contract in this league, he might as well have won himself a contract on a TV show. Because you yeah. can't actually. If the thing that is the most publicity about the league we have in this country portrays the standard of this league, as anyone who knows football who watches him play knows he can't play football, and mm. and I'm pretty much fed up of people going. Oh, I don't mean disrespect from Manny. I've got so much respect for his career. I don't give a fuck. It, like if you're a great chef and you try and play football and you're big and fat and crap, yeah. you're going to be big and fat and crap at football. I don't care if you're a good cook. He's trying to be a footballer. There are so many. Yeah, sorry, I'm going to bang no, on. Yeah, yeah. There, are, there are so many young players in this country who aspire to play for A-League clubs and they go up through the NSL yeah. and they train their whole life and their parents send them to football every weekend and it's their life. And it takes that long to get a good touch. It takes that long to get a football brain. Yeah. And yet this bloke's walked in and he's just thought, I can do it. And fair yeah, enough. No, but I don't think it's Bolt's fault. I don't think no, you put it, I, no. I put it on the A-League. And I mean, like Bolt had gone this week. He'd gone to Malta when they had the A-League launch yeah. and I was so glad yeah. because you had Honda yeah. there who's brilliant and you had um, Sam Kerr yeah. who's one Amazing. of the, one of the best you know female footballers in the world come, come to yeah. play in the um, W League yeah for Perth and 
to me, that is what we should be getting excited about. With like Honda could be the best ever import to the A League. Yeah, he's only what twenty nine or thirty yeah, two. Yeah, so he's still you know, but, but he's, he's still at an age where he, where he can play. Oh my god! Yeah, and, uh, you know, not very long ago he was playing you know Champions League football. Like he's he has a potential to to be still be very good, and that should be enough to get excited about. You don't need all this noise from a novelty factor yeah. clouding that. Like, and let's well, get the, excited about the The football. league starts this weekend, and it starts Friday night, and everyone should be talking about the football, but everyone's still talking about the bowl thing. So let's talk about Okay, let's talk, let's talk about the football. The, You're the, wearing your Melbourne City hat. I, I am, feel like I, am. I should let everyone know, Jeff. I'm looking forward to the game you on Saturday. You and Roger going on Saturday. That is true. Um... Now, for those who don't listen in Australia, the A-League, as a standard, has some players that would make it in the English Championship, but the average player is between League 1 and League 2. So it's competitive, it's very strategic... So I think that with Do you mean the slow by that. Well, I mean that with the <laughs> the lack of natural creativity on the majority of these these domestic players, they make up in in formations. They're they're, they're it's it's a very strategic type of football. Yeah. You can see what they're trying to do, and they try and do it very well. So you see lots of variants. You see three at the back. You see four at the back. You see attacking wing backs. You see lots of different types and styles of football, and it's a good place for managers to to try new things structurally because they're not playing against players who will absolutely abuse that. Yeah. So you, 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 if you make one mistake, it's not going to be punished and you lose 1-0. You can probably get away with it three times before you get punished, which means that the, to sharpen your teeth or whatever it's called. As a manager, it's a great place to do it. Um, and sharpen your teeth as a cut player. Your teeth. Cut your teeth. Sharpen your teeth, cut your teeth. I don't What is that? It's just a I don't know. You carry on, I'll okay. Google yeah. Cut your um, teeth. So I think and as a player... It's a good upbringing for understanding the game of football. So it means that you know when the Socceroos play, they very rarely play a flat back four four two like you know some other nations who don't really know what they're doing. Uh, the, one of the biggest problems with football in this country is it has such a long off season and such a short season. So the league itself is only twenty six games long plus finals. Because of that, there is a huge for the players that just go round the A League roundabout. There's a huge period where they're not playing competitive football, which means that they're a, a fitness and mentality disadvantage to the rest of the world. So that's a bit of a problem. However, this season, I feel like the overall standard of the league has improved. So we've got. What are you basing that on? The the players that have come in and the players. That, I mean, okay, so there's a few other problems. I'm sorry if this is just disagreeing. No, we got. We'll, so, we'll, I just want to before you go. Like we got really excited two years ago because there'd been a good A League season, and then Tim Cahill came back. Yeah. We had um, you know Fauna Rowley being amazing. We'd had um, Aaron Moy. Aaron Moy, like, yeah, and it was, it was it was people you hadn't heard of before being good, being, rather than going David Villa, come in. Or, so it felt, it felt like we were really on the up, yeah. and we were all excited. And then things have nosedived and then got worse. So but exa- now you think we're going back? Yeah, up. I do, and I, and, I, and I say it tentatively because because I do feel like we have been on a downward spiral for two years. I think the league had become stale. I think the the so within this league structure, you can't make money by transferring players from club to club, which means that players play for contracts, play for one year or two year contracts. When they finish that contract, they go to another A league club, which means that there's almost it feels like you don't associate with your players. You know, you don't. Yeah, the players move around every club. Exactly right, and they just settle because you're you're you've got a salary cap. You to keep them under, and great, you'll accept a contract that's 10k less than your contract at the other club, which means you can fit in, and that's fine. So it's a career. 
not career, it's a career game here. Yeah. Now, two years ago, after the great Aaron Moy season, the Aaron Moy and Fauna Rolly yeah. season in the A-League, the, when Tim Cahill came, they, they spent basically all of their marketing money at the beginning of the season. They pumped Tim Cahill as an ambassador for the game. And on the first game of the season, you remember he scored that scored wonder that goal. Yeah. And that went viral for the right reasons. That yeah. had got more than 6 million Usain Bolt. That thing yeah. went global. Yeah. And rightly so. And it felt like we were on the cusp of something. But then throughout the season, attendance has dropped. The football became a bit stale. And that happened to be a season where there was a huge gulf between the top six and the bottom four. Mm. I say that right now it's a 10-team ten, ten league. Next year it will be a 12-team league. Yeah. But we'll get onto that later in the season. Um, which meant that there was a whole point towards the end of the season where it just wasn't very exciting. You knew who was going to be in the finals and you knew who wasn't. Yeah, and it was early. There was a good like six or seven games left. Where they were and, all completely pointless. Pointless games. Which yeah. means that for, so for a season that's so short to have a quarter of that season be completely pointless waiting for a one-off tournament at the end which is the final season I think it petered out in excitement levels which means crowds depleted got to the in that off season and no one really was signed nothing got exciting and then was the governance issue with the FFA and if those who listen to the shed regularly I bang on about that all the time so I'm not going to do that again but all of that was happening at the same time so memberships were dropping Uh, membership is an Australian version for a season ticket um However, this season I feel like there's an increase in the skill set of the players that have come in. I think I think uh, I think they've signed some good players in Honda and Toivonen, who's gone to um, Melbourne Victory as well, um, and Lafondre, who's gone to Sydney. Ricky Delat and Ricky Delat, um, ex Man United, who was crap at Man United, but he probably he should do all right over here. They've signed some good players. De Jong, um, Sydney, yeah, see him, De Jong, um, but they're. I think there's also, because of the FFA thing being so crap and them getting it so wrong, I have a feeling there's a little bit of a crowd swell from people going, let's forget about this governance stuff. Like, if you listen to people in the media, Adam Peacocks or whatever, they're just like, we want football to work in Australia. And people want it to work. People want to get behind it. And they're kind of a bit over the FFA being crap. And they're going come on, let's make this work and let's get behind it. Let's show a bit of enthusiasm. Let's talk about it. Let's get it in the media and let's talk about the football. Now, we've had the Usain Bolt thing going on. But hopefully that's gone now. Yeah, but I think there is a feeling amongst fans that they want this to work. And the big thing for me, and like I I sent you a WhatsApp this week taking the piss going, oh, you're excited now, but in three weeks uh, it'll all be doom and gloom, yay, leaves crap again. And... um, I just don't want that to happen. I want to be sat here every couple of weeks going, we'll do an update on the A-League because it's great to watch and it's interesting to watch. And there's teams beating other teams and it's actually all 10 teams are competitive and there's not whipping boys. So for, for those who are listening at home who don't have an A-League team, if you're not based in Australia and you don't have an A-League team, even for those listening here who don't give a shit because actually I get it and the apathy around it, I'm going to give you a, a bit of a, a very, very small Homework. breakdown on the reason why you should support some of the clubs. Yeah. They're, I'm going to start with Perth. Their manager is a guy called Tony Popovich, who is basically Simeone. <laughs> if you know Athletic Cambridge Madrid, you know Diego Simeone. Popovich is mirrors his life, his look. He buys, he goes to the same suit shop. He uses the same grease in his hair, and he wished he was him. He wished he could get in his skin and eat bloody Simeone's face from the inside with his tongue that is what Popovich wants and when you watch his sides play football that is what you get so if that's the kind of football you like go for Perth Sydney 
I mean, it's it's the I'm going to say it's the Man City rich boys. Blech. But they've you lost. You can't they, say that. You no, Melbourne City, the Man City rich boys. They've no, no, lost. No, no, no. They're the, by the same people. They man. lost their coach, and I think like Sydney. Whilst the A League has gone stale, I think in terms of teams playing football, the football that Sydney played last year, uh, I know they didn't win it. But was better than there probably yeah. has been in the history of the A League. Yeah. And what did I say? It's yeah. the, it's the version of Man City that we've got. And we're forgetting yeah. ownership or something. It's the version of Man City that we have in this country because they're they're polished. They've been doing it for years, and they know they're. they're but now up. they've lost their coach, so that's a bit of a question yeah. mark on them. I'm not going to go for for all of the teams. We could do, just do a few yeah. today. Um, Central Coast Mariners. Their sporting director is Michael Feelin. As in Mike Feeling. Mike Feeling, ex Manchester United. United. Mike Feeling. Yeah. Wow. So if you like Mike more than a feeling, then this is uh, <laughs> this is where you go. Um, and the last one I'll do, I've got to do Melbourne City because I'm wearing the hat. Yeah. Uh, we'll do the other four, other five, six next week. Um, are a feeder club to the rest of the world. <laughs> if you're going to see a good young Australian, like if you watch the Puskas Award, if you're in the UK or the US or yeah. any of the Puskas Awards, there was an Australian bloke playing for Newcastle who scored a scorpion kick from outside the box. So that accidental. Was yeah. Absolutely accidental, but it was fucking awesome. At a critical time in the game too. Yeah, it? yeah it was an outrageous yeah. accident. He's like the... What's his name? McGill. McGill. He uh, played for Newcastle and got signed by Melbourne City because he was the best young Australian about... And that's what Melbourne City do. Arzani played in the World Cup, signed, sold to um, Man City. Aaron Moy sold to Man City. All, you know, Melbourne City are the feeder club for the rest of the world. So and Melbourne City have been around for a little while now with that investment and they have a great academy set up. So there's, Arzani was the breakout last year and within a year he's signed by Man City and goes to Celtic. I'm pretty sure there'll be another one or two that come through to the first team this year that are good because there's, there's they've bit, got that conveyor belt. I think there's a bit of pressure on them though because whilst they've done that, like uh, to retain relevance, they've also got to be successful in their own right as a club and they haven't really done that yet. I, and, I agree. And so I think there's a bit of pressure on them this year to be actually properly challenging mm. for the title. The only trophy they've won is the FFA Cup and that was two years ago. And... Um, I think that if, you, if you're going to choose a team, you will see some excellent football in Melbourne City, but you have to know what you're getting yourself in for. Let's move on to side stories. Um, but before we do, who's going to win Melbourne City Melbourne victory? I'm going to say two all draw. Well, I think victory will win. It's, I, it's a victory, isn't it? I've got to say, I think victory will win two. Um, well, they have made some excellent signings yeah, this yeah. year. And, and I think that if the two teams that you are going to be pitting for the posts is Sydney and Victory just like every other year Deng's at Victory isn't he he looked really good last year so so we're going to go on side stories Rog you've been doing a bit of um, journalism like investigative investigative journalism journalism into Virtus and Teller tell us more by investigative journalism I translated uh, an article in Italian in Google Translate (laughs) from from their website (laughs) Uh, but I'm going to start with a, a side story on a side story on it. Did you see that Antonio Cassano came out of retirement again? For a week. For a week. Yes. And was training with... Virtus and Teller. Virtus and Teller. And now he's retired again. Yeah. Page 36. So, Rog, who are Virtus and Teller? Well, Jeff, they are a team in northern Italy, near Geneva, and... They will be playing in Serie B or Serie C this year. But at the moment, they're not playing anywhere. So they don't have a league? They don't have a league. They're like a ghost team. So they played the first game of the year 
They have not played since. Why Why don't they have a league? So last season, uh, in Serie B, Cesena, Bari and uh, Anello went bankrupt. Yeah, okay, so they got chucked out of the league. So they, they've got chucked out of the league. Um, and so at the start of this year, uh, Serie B started with only 19 teams. Yep. So they couldn't work out what to do, so they just started the league with less teams than normal. Fewer, fewer, fewer teams. Fewer. Than oh, uh, now, Virtus and Teller were relegated last season in the playoff system in Italy. So they have it—you know, the bottom two go mm. down automatically, and then the last one is in a playoff, playoff. with the t- yeah. league below. Um, they played in a playoff game and lost, so they got relegated to Serie C. So first game this year, they played in Serie C. Yeah. And and League Serie B went ahead with only nineteen teams. Now then, the Italian National Olympic Committee decided that one of those teams that got bankrupted, Cesena, that their points deduction should apply in l- like last season for the season that happened, yeah. rather than the future season, the forthcoming season. And what that meant was that they then finished below. Virtus Centella. So, so Virtus Centella shouldn't, shouldn't have even been relegated in the first place because of this penalty. Yeah. But then the other governing body in Italian football, which is the Italian Football Federation, have basically said that's illegal. But at the same time, Virtus Centella got told to stop playing because you're going to go up to Serie B. So at that point, this is after game one, they got told, hold on guys, it's all right, you're not in Serie C, this has happened, we're going to move you up to Serie B. <laughs> But then the Italian Football Federation have said, uh, no, you can't do that. Piss off Olympic Committee. Um, we don't think that's right. Uh, you can't play anywhere. And so now they're tr- they're all training. So so three teams have gone bankrupt and yeah. fucked up. Yeah. And then this team have done, have just been a bit shit, but haven't yeah. done anything wrong. Yeah. Don't get anywhere to play. Yeah. So, so because while they, they were pushing to get promoted to Serie B when this thing happened. So they yeah, were agitating okay. for... Of course, they don't want to get relegated. Yeah. So they said, well, if that's applying now, surely we shouldn't get relegated. So, so who are the bloody Olympic committee to come and say, OK? Yeah. What's the difference between me giving them a buzz and going, Just oh, Ventiza, yeah. uh, is that you? Yeah, no, you'll be right. Just don't play next week. You're, you're up to Serie B. Don't worry, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the Jeff Federation, Jeff Football Federation. <laughs> Listen to me. No, no, you're, well, you're, you're no, promoted. Give me some champagne. It's the National Olympic Committee, so obviously they're a, they're a governing body in sport. And one of the critis- <laughs> one of the criticisms of Italy as a country is you have all these like competing authoritative bodies and things don't work very well. In like you know, uh, like council and local governments, yeah. the same. Did you learn that on holiday in Italy, Rog? Uh, no, no, I, <laughs> I've got a man on the inside. <laughs> um, but the so there was a hearing on the 9th of October to basically yeah. the mafia establish whether or not they're going to be playing in Serie C or Serie B. But then they couldn't make a decision, so it's oh, been no. delayed till the 22nd of October. So there's still a ghost team, and I'm like, they're, they're going to be ten games into the season by the 22nd of October. What happens so to their what, points total? Yeah, so what? Even if what? they if they go into Serie C, they could then potentially get relegated from Serie C, and then they're in like. There's actually an Australian guy who plays for them, whose name's Gabriel Kluwer, who's Australian Italian, and he's moved from Australia to Italy to play for this team, and has just signed. And there's an interview with him on the BBC World Service. And he's like, 
I don't know. I'm just training all the time and I'm getting paid. But he said it's a weird thing that you get a B contract and a C contract. So if you're playing in the B, Serie B, you get this much money. If you get playing Serie C, you get this much money. So the club don't know how much to pay us because we don't know what <laughs> league we're getting. So what are they? What are they actually doing? So they're they're just um well, they're training. Just training at they're the moment. Training. No, no. I mean, with the money, are they paying him less no, than they're, giving they're him a pay, bonus? Yeah, or just, I'd imagine they'll pay them less, and then if they go up, they'll pay back pay them or something. He was asked the actual question. He sat on the fence when he said, "How much are you getting paid?" Which, which is like is they're doing with this salary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he was saying that if whatever league they end up in, they have to make up the games. So they'll have to play Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday for a solid period to make up the games they've missed out on. So if they miss 10 games, you've just got to squeeze it into the league. Isn't that bizarre though? But I just so yeah, at the moment, they're all turning up every week to train. But Yeah, he said it's really weird. Like everyone's trying to stay motivated, but yeah. I would love it if you keep giving us some... Update. We'll do an update. Twenty second October is the big the big date. Although it was the ninth, and they just delayed it, so it might happen again. <laughs> um, but we're ready for end feature. Or has anyone got any other side stories? I haven't got anything else. Nah, nah. No. End feature, Jeff. Have you got a song for us? Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Well, that's really Whoa, new. Oh, I like that. That's yeah. exciting. It was actually a new tune. Yeah. You wow. get us every week. No, that was the same. <laughs> <laughs> It was a bit tropical, that one. I liked it. Yeah. Um, like your shirt. Um, last week was the UEFA Nations League, which we bet on. Like a pineapple. And we all lost. Coconut. And so we should just not bet on international football. Yeah, it was really, terrible. Like, I, think we really all, I think we both lost like both legs. Like, I couldn't have gone any worse. Yeah, we all lost everything really early. Like a horseradish. Yes. Yes, Jeff. Stop talking. <laughs> An onion. A runion. A red onion. The runion. So this week... We get to bet on the Premier League because it's back. Or the A-League if you so wish. Um, but as a aside, we're still $70 up total. So if you bet on everything we bet on, you'd still be winning $70, which is good. Oh, it doesn't sound very good though, does it? I've only won up. once in like 10 weeks. Yes. Yeah, if you bet on everything Roger and I bet on, you'd be more <laughs> up. Um, what are you going to bet on, Jeff? I'm going to bet on the Central Coast Mariners to beat Brisbane. Now, yep. I, I promise those who listen that I will not bag on about the A-League because as you say, John, after two weeks I'm going to be far less enthused. <laughs> I might go on a rant somewhere around Christmas time about how shit football is in Australia <laughs> and then never mention it again until this time next year. So, right now when I'm still enthused, I'm going to bet Central Coast to beat Brisbane at $3.80. And that's it? Three eight, away or at home? Away. Mm-hmm. Brisbane are pretty crap. Brisbane are rubbish and Central Coast have Ross McCormack. That's my logic. Yeah. And possibly Usain Bolt. Rog, what's your bet? Um, I've gone Bournemouth to beat Southampton and over one and a half goals. Of course. And I've gone Everton to beat Crystal Palace and over one and a half goals. You love the one and a half goals. What's it paying? Uh, Six bucks. That's a really good bet. That's a pretty good bet. Mm. Everton are definitely going to win this, this. this week. Yeah, I just feel like Crystal Palace haven't been great away. Everton score goals. Um, I, I think yeah, Everton have been really good at home I see it as an Everton win um, I've bet on Burnley who are playing Man City at plus two so I think they're going to lose but only by a goal or two Okay. well only one hopefully um, <laughs> <laughs> my bet doesn't work so Burnley at plus two yep. and then also just as a uh, fuck you to you two I've bet on Yoshinori Muto scoring for Newcastle. Oh, come on. V Brighton. Wow. Because well, I think Newcastle are going to win this weekend against Brighton. 
and I think he's going to start and I think he's going to score I'll tell you what if he scores a goal you can put him on the wall <laughs> no I, I, I second that he can go on the shed wall if he scores a goal yes. but it has to be portrayed as a picture of a piece of corn on a mound, <laughs> on a mound of dirt that's paying $12 yeah, I was going to say it must be a bit yeah. did you know that um, avocados aren't actually vegan yeah I heard this it's because they have to move the wasps around because the bees yeah it's all about the bees yeah you know about the bees, Rog? You have to move the bees. It's you know, you, you know, you know about soil and stuff. So the bees, you have to move the bees from place to place to keep all the bugs off the avocados. And the bees are basically in a concentration hive yeah. being lugged around. Camp. Yeah. No, hive. Concentration hive. Yeah, but they're bees. But they like to hang out in a hive anyway. Well, not concentration hives. They're bees. They're like anyway. Be free bees. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave you on this insightful stuff. Um, thank you for listening everyone we'll be back next week I won't be here but uh, Jeff and Rog will be here it's going to be nights. romantic um, as always shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com and find us on social media give us a review on iTunes a one star or a five star tell your mates and we'll be back next week thanks everyone <laughs>